The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, if your Emery serves me well. Unai's move from Villarreal to Villa. Also, return of the prickly dickhead, messy on footballer, when love breaks down, and of course, previews of those key Champions League midweek matches. All of that and more coming up in this Totally Football Show. And hello, listener. Tuesday, the 25th of October, and it's a classic Totally Football Show European edition lineup with Rafael Honigstein, Alvaro Romeo, Julian Laurence, and James Horncastle. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, Jimbo. Mm. Alvaro, Unai Emery to Aston Villa. That's the big news uh, that dropped on Monday. He's going to be taking over. Not for this weekend's game against Newcastle, but for the one at home to Man United on the 6th of November. Lol, his last match against them. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, um, unbelievable, really. He, need, he needs to get his work permission right and all that before um, having his first day at work in the United Kingdom again. But the truth is that uh, it came a little bit as a surprise. Uh, it's uh, not the first time that Unai Emery has been tempted as a Villarreal manager because last season Newcastle wanted to get him and Villarreal. And sorry, Unai Emery pondered that. But at the end, he, he pulled out from the, from the deal. But this season, Aston Villa came, uh, paid Unai Emery's release clause, and he decided to leave. Unfortunately for Villarreal, because uh, despite Villarreal's League form, which wasn't fantastic, have to say that for the short tournaments, uh, Unai Emery is a master, and Villarreal won their first ever tournament with him, the Europa League in 2021. There is something, in my opinion, wrong about uh, leaving your club in the middle of the season, really, because uh, in the same way that uh, the manager asks for utter compromise to the players, uh, asks for demands for just making sure that all the players stay together and all that, in my opinion, they have to lead with example. Maybe this should open up the conversation to, I don't know, a, a window for the managers uh, being able to work on their future and negotiate deals and all that, like the players have in January or in summer. But the truth that is that the manager living in the middle of the season, it doesn't just look right. Graham Potter did it, Unai Emery has done it, and uh, Villarreal now is set to get a new, man a new manager, and it will probably... I would say possibly be Kike Setien. Okay, interesting. It's a difficult week, this, for Villarreal. And I think that's one of the, the elements of Unai Emery leaving now that is going to be hardest for their supporters to take after uh, the, the death of their vice president and the emotional scenes that followed that just last week. Uh, as you mentioned, since leaving, Arsenal took Villarreal to the Europa League title, beating Man United in the final. Also had an extraordinary run last season in the Champions League, beating Juve and Bayern Munich before uh, coming unstuck in the semi-final against Liverpool. Tremendous appointment, I think, for Villa. No, anybody else have a strong view on that? Yeah, I think I think it's great. I think he will improve them for sure. I think he gives you so much structure, and maybe the fact that Villa, not as big a club as as Arsenal, certainly like, not historically, but right now. Uh, means that only one of them's won the European Cup, Jules. Exactly. I knew you were going to say that. Um, and I think I think it's a better environment for him to work. I think he's better suited for those clubs like Villarreal or like Aston Villa more than maybe 
the top top club where the pressure is bigger, where the egos in the in the dressing room are bigger, and and all of that. I think I think this could work perfectly for both sides. Him uh, to kind of restore a little bit his image in England, which. I think he's maybe not the greatest after what happened towards the end of Arsenal and also for Villa because he could, with the money they have and the money they're spending and the squad that they have, he can he can do some really good things there. I think communication was a real issue at, at Arsenal and I hope that his English has, has improved a little bit because I know that players were just simply having sometimes problems um, understanding the nuance, the detail that he wanted to bring across. And I think for somebody who's so meticulous in this approach uh, language is really really important I think that Unai Emery's biggest problem as of late is that he hasn't been able to instill regularity in his teams and this is a problem because at Villarreal uh, he was always far from the Champions League spots when he was the Sevilla manager this is quite curious but he never qualified Sevilla for the Champions League uh, Sevilla was winning the Europa League but then in the league Sevilla was never qualifying for the Champions League. He only qualified PSG for the Champions League, basically. And at the time, I remember that in Valencia he did it too, but still, uh, regularity has been an issue with uh, Unai Emery at Villarreal. So maybe this is a chance for Aston Villa fans to start thinking that in the short tournaments, like the Cups, they will have a bigger chance because Unai Emery is very good at preparing individual games. Then in the league, you know, what is the real target of uh, Aston Villa? Finishing in the top half of the table. They can do it, yes, but going the extra mile with Unai Emery in the league, it's been proven over the last two or three or four years that he's not, uh, he's not success guaranteed. Okay. Uh, Duncan Bishop tweeting, to the best of my knowledge, Unai Emery could become the first man to coach four Villas. Sevilla, Villarreal, Aston Villa <laughs> and David Villa. Very nice. Okay. Well... That was big news on Monday. What's been, though, your moment of the weekend? James, you haven't heard much from you yet. Why don't you lead us off? Saturday evening at San Siro, James, because uh, Monza uh, played Milan. A very sentimental game um, because uh, Silvio Berlusconi and Adriano Galliani returned to San Siro. Berlusconi didn't because he was too busy with government business. Um, But... They were obviously at the helm of the Grande Milan um, from the mid-80s to the beginning of the last decade, won five European Cups. Everyone associates them with Milan, but you know, Galliani persuaded Berlusconi um, to kind of take over Monza, um, which you know, isn't far from Arcore, where Berlusconi's estate is. You know, Galliani, kind of born and raised in Monza, was involved with Monza, I think, in the 70s. Uh, before he entered Berlusconi's business empire and basically got his media set TV business, satellite coverage all over the world. They took over Monza when they were in the third division uh, and got them promoted, got them promoted again. This is their first ever season in the top flight. And for for them to play at San Siro, regardless of the result, because they ended up losing heavily, um, it was a very... Uh, meaningful game with great kind of genuine personal significance I think for Galliani who uh, said he'd been practicing yoga uh, before the game so as not to kind of betray his emotions you know he wanted to kind of assume the pose hold the pose and uh, and not go wild either way as to who scored because you know I think it's quite clear that he's still as big a supporter of as Milan of Milan as he ever was of, of Monza so um, yeah Kind of nice, uh, nice moment, really. Mm. 
Well, if we hadn't heard much from you before, we certainly have. Now, it's a long moment of the weekend. Anybody got a moment of the week? Big moment. Rafa. My moment of the weekend is much shorter and concise, dare I say. It's uh, Giorena scoring for Dortmund. The 3-0 and a 5-0 win for Dortmund. Giorena. Gio hadn't started a Bundesliga game since April and uh, had been in and out of the team for 14 months after aggravating a hamstring injury. So there was big relief on his face and I think everyone, uh, including uh, US men's national team fans, have been very, very happy to see him back doing the business, as mm. it were. Could be in action, of course, on Tuesday against Man City in one of the big Champions League games. Jules? Saturday afternoon at the, the Stade de la Mosson in Montpellier, I won the goal by uh, Eli Wai, the Montpellier young striker, 19-year-old, really, really good talent, overhead kick, wonderful, to go 1-1 with Lyon, except that Lyon and Lacazette, we scored the winner in, in added time. So it was a goal that really was pointless, but one of the goals of the season, for sure. Very nice. Uh, what's the name again, Jules? Eli Wai. Very nice. I'll look for that. Uh, Alvaro. Yeah, my moment of the week can be a little bit long. I will try to make it short. Basically, it is Alex Baena from Villarreal. Uh, he got sent off for lifting his shirt over his head in the game against Almeria. He went against the rule. The referee showed him the yellow card, the second yellow, so he was sent off. Up to this point, all normal, right? Well, the thing is that his shirt said, Gracias por todo, Janeza. Thanks for everything, Janeza, to honor. Jose Manuel Llaneza, the former vice president of Villarreal, who recently died from leukemia. Probably the referee who sent uh, off uh, Alex Baena is not the most popular in Spain right now, Ricardo de Burgos Bengoechea, but he did his job, that's for sure, and uh, he was probably the epitome of professionalism, but this has, this has been very controversial in Spain because there are some people at Villarreal, especially uh, Villarreal fans, that they think that the referee had no heart whatsoever. Anyway, what can you do? He followed the rules. Well, I, I've got to say, I'm surprised at the amount of, I wouldn't say bleating, it's obviously an emotional time for Villarreal, the man, who, the architect of their success, dying last week. But if you're a player and you lift your shirt up to reveal a message on a T-shirt, everyone knows what happened. You get a yellow card. He already had yep. one. He was going to get a red card. If you're a team that wants to pay tribute and say thank you, just... Write on a sheet and have it at the you know the side of the pitch. You run over, you lift up the sheet, or hold up a jersey with the name on the back or whatever. You write stuff on a t-shirt and lift it up. You can't be surprised when a referee gives you a yellow card. That's my strong take. I I, <laughs> I agree with you, but you know there is, there is a way around it. That's the funny thing. If What's you that? don't lift your shirt over your neck, yes. then you get you don't get sent off. Well, so he put it right over it. his head. That's right the over thing. his head. That was the mistake. That was the mistake. Next time. He'll know better. All right. Sorry. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Next up, let's have a quick thought about Champions League. Match day five coming up, penultimate round of group stage games and some key fixtures. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Champions League, penultimate round of matches in the group stage. Five teams already through. Bayern Munich, FC Bayern, Club Bruges. Manchester City, Napoli and Real Madrid. There are some big names, though, at risk of crashing out already this midweek. Milan, Ajax, Atletico Madrid, Juventus, Sporting 
and Barcelona. Barcelona, who host Bayern Munich, but it could be over before they even kick off. What matches, what games are you guys most looking forward to from this midweek round? James? Benfica Juventus, um, because as Max Allegri was saying uh, last night... Uh, Is he Juventus, still there? <laughs> he's still there, and as we've been saying, he won't be removed, uh, because that's just not how Juventus do things. But uh, as he was saying, Juventus are not out of the Champions League yet, they're not in the Europa League yet, and until they are, they're going to keep uh, having a go, but they are coming up against the Benfica side that is still undefeated. Uh, that beat Porto at the weekend, um, albeit with Porto going a man down uh, in the first half. Um, So, yeah, see if this Juventus team that's won back-to-back games is actually improving. Um, Allegri saying there's too much euphoria, too much excitement around Juventus at the moment, which some people were laughing at. They're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Was he serious? uh, you know what Max, you know what Max is like. I mean, but um, yeah, it was quite amusing. But yeah, always exciting to see this uh, this Benfica team, um, even if they've sometimes ground out uh, results uh, this this season. Should be a good occasion. Juventus have never won uh, at the Stadio de Luz unless you count the time they played Vittoria Setubal there in 1963. Um, so let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. A four 0 win for them at the weekend over Empoli. But even if they were the first team, even if they did become the first team to beat Benfica this season, it might well be too late for them. They need to win both remaining games, uh, PSG the final one, and also hope that Maccabi Haifa take points off one of those two teams. Hmm. Rafa, what's catching your eye? I think Leipzig-Real Madrid on Tuesday night could be super interesting, James. Um, Leipzig played well in Madrid, didn't take the chances, and then Madrid did the Madrid thing, just being a little bit more efficient and clinical but I think they've got a chance I think also Real are leaving quite a few players behind I think Noval Verde Benzema things left behind so Modric real chance well. uh, Modric yeah real chance for, for Leipzig to, to win there so yeah I think it should be entertaining What do you think Alvaro? Yeah I believe that uh, Real Madrid of course they've got casualties and all that but they are playing with such a level of confidence that it's difficult for me to write them off at all even though they are qualified I think that they are going to put a very competitive performance against Leipzig definitely Okay. Uh, Leipzig's performance of the weekend was quite extraordinary, Rafa. They were, what, 3-0 down with 20 minutes to go? 18, yeah. And, 18. and they somehow came Yeah, they came back against Augsburg. I mean, it was a crazy game. Enno Maaßen, who I think I've picked up here before on this pod, is, is doing a great job at, at Augsburg, um, former Borussia Dortmund uh, two coach. And, uh, yeah, but Leipzig have... As we know, a lot of quality up front. It's just the balance that's sometimes missing, and it certainly was in this game. But I think with um, with home support, and it's going to be a special atmosphere because Dietrich Mateschitz, the Red Bull founder, passed away this week. And I think there'll I be lots of. I hope they're not going with T-shirts. There might be T-shirts. Mm. Um, there might be something, uh, and I think it'd be yeah, it'd be quite uh, quite a unique atmosphere. Okay, at ground should be interesting. Real Madrid already qualified, but they're not guaranteed first place. Real, uh, RB Leipzig are four points behind them, with Shakhtar only a point behind them. So a key game, this, uh, for Leipzig, who came back with uh, that flurry of goals in the final 18 minutes to draw away at Augsburg. It's going to be a key one. Uh, what have you got, Jules? 
I'll go for the, the PSG Maccabi Haifa game, James, mm. but for the wrong reasons, really. Not, not so much for the game, uh, although PSG, as you said, can qualify already tonight, but more because of the security issues around the game. It's, this is a big game because back in November 2006, when PSG played Hapoel Tel Aviv at the time, it was a very different time, of course, for the club. We saw a huge problems after the game and one of the PSG fans, Julien Kemener, was shot dead by a by a policeman after him and his mate were trying to um uh were chasing uh, Jewish fans from uh, from Hapoel Tel Aviv and were about to lynch one of Hapoel Tel Aviv fans uh, right there in the street. So in defending the the Hapoel fan, the policeman just shot and, and shot dead that, that supporter followed obviously big riots, big issues. We also know that a lot of the PSG Ultras, the CUP group, uh, are pro-Palestine. Uh, and I think there will be banners tonight and there's, there's, there's high tension, high security. There will be 800 policemen and uh, all around the stadium, everywhere, escorting the Maccabi Haifa fans, but also obviously in Paris with a with the big Jewish community, there's a lot of PSG fans who also are there to support Maccabi Haifa. So it'd be very difficult to police the game, really, in that sense, because you will have, even amongst the PSG fans, PSG Ultra fans, some fans who are, who, you know, who are uh, Jewish and who want Maccabi Haifa to win. So it's a very difficult one. Uh, it's a game that I think doesn't look too good in terms of security. So let's just hope that tonight, more than the football on the pitch, that everything goes, goes well outside of the pitch as well, in the stands and around the Parc des Princes. Uh, well, wow, what a remarkable backdrop to that game. Uh, a quick word for the Premier League sides, their opponents, Ajax, are going to be hosting Liverpool. Spurs get sporting. Chelsea are up against Salzburg. Rafa, great piece from you on theathletic.com about the remarkable Benjamin Sesko. And, of course, there's also that uh, Borussia Dortmund-Man City game. Hmm. Any of those going to throw up a, a surprise, do you think? Maybe Salzburg. I still believe that Salzburg may have a chance against Chelsea uh, because uh, a draw is not horrible for them. So maybe they play a little bit uh, thinking about it because Chelsea hasn't scored many goals in this Champions League. In fact, in this group, I was checking it, there has been only 17 goals, which is very little considering that they have played already eight games and I think that the games are pretty nail-beating here so maybe Chelsea finds it a little bit difficult in Salzburg in Salzburg Wow only three points separating first and last in that group which also contains Milan and Dinamo Zagreb if you're curious as to why Benjamin Sesko is either the new Ibra or possibly the new Holland, and is definitely a football manager sensation then check out Rafa's piece in The Athletic Alvaro then your Champions League match uh, Atletico Bayer Leverkusen because uh, all together with Real Madrid Atletico is the only Spanish side I've got a little bit of faith on I think that Barcelona and Sevilla are doomed Atletico is not but they'd better win because if they don't win and Porto beat Bruce then they are out of the Champions League I think that Atletico this season are suffering uh, for example in the Champions League they have had 60 attempts and they have scored only two goals which is a very very uh, low scoring attempts. rating 
60 attempts, only two goals scored in the Champions League. The good thing for him is that Antoine Griezmann, since he became effectively an Atletico de Madrid player and his Atletico property, well, he's scoring goals. Uh, he has scored three since he became an Atletico player, officially, and he scored the brace against Betis the other day. So I think that this is uh, right now the Antoine Griezmann show for Atletico de Madrid, and uh, probably Simeone um, has all his chips, you know, uh, on Antoine Griezmann, because he's making the difference for the team as of late. Bingo. I should quickly mention Ajax Liverpool because Liverpool only need a point to progress from this group, but their record on the road, not good. Not good, as of course we saw at Forest this weekend. They've only had one victory uh, away from home all season, and that was uh, in Glasgow against Rangers. They only need a point from this game to be sure of the last 16, but could be a key one there. All right, well, let's move on to some league... Uh, news and reviews, and first up, James Sidia. Hello, it's Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper, and Hayley McQueen here, otherwise known as the Offside Rule. We have a very special show. It's been 10 years of the Offside Rule. If you've been enjoying it over the last decade, you can get some extra insight. Yes, we have a really good chat about how the industry has changed in the 10 years and chat as well about some of the highs of recording a podcast as an only female trio in the football world and some of the lows as well so join us for fun we're also joined by harriet drudge and laura williamson from the athletic so check it out that's the offside rule This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Serie A, it was Italy's turn to have the top four facing each other this weekend. You had Roma against Napoli, which is a bit meh. But perhaps more significantly, you had Atalanta getting beaten at home by Lazio with the return of the prickly dickhead. <laughs> yep, that's what uh, Sarri uh, said of himself because he was asked to define Sarismo. Um, Sarismo, remember, entered the Italian dictionary uh, four or five years ago when he was at Napoli. Um, and he said, Look, I wouldn't know how to define my way myself. Uh, I'll leave it to my wife, who would probably call me a prickly dickhead. Um, and, uh, but I, I think. At Lazio, we're seeing the, the, the closest to Sarismo really since um, he left Napoli um, because uh, as much as he won major honours for the first time in his career uh, upon going to Chelsea where he won the Europa League, uh, beating Unai Emery's Arsenal um, and uh, at Juventus where he won their last Scudetto, one that looks even kind of better in retrospect, uh, those two teams never really played uh, like his Napoli team did. Um, this Lazio team is beginning to, and I think that's quite exciting. Um, you know, the, the win at the weekend was was big because Atalanta was still undefeated. Um, people were talking about them being a, a kind of title contender, being back to their very best. Um, yeah, in part because they're not in Europe this season, so they can just rest, recuperate, and game plan for each game. 
Um, but Lazio played magnificently, um, even without Chiro Immobile. Um, you know, and as much as you know, Sarri was saying there was a lot of mental masturbation uh, on the on the part of of the press uh, around what he was going to do without Immobile. You know, we saw uh, how at Napoli he coped when Napoli lost Higuain to Juventus and lost Arcadius Milik to injury, that he reinvented Dries Mertens. Uh, and Mertens went on to become the all-time top scorer at Napoli in his 30s. He did this kind of with Felipe Anderson in this game. And so, yeah, Lazio have got six clean sheets in a row. Best run uh, defensively since Sven was in charge in, in 1998. And, you know, if, if not a title contender, looks certain like a team that can challenge for top four. Gasparini was very impressed. He said, we'd not yet met a team that was so good on a technical level and with such a consistent press, they always got to the ball first and we'd not faced a team of this level. Crikey. And meanwhile, I mentioned that it wasn't perhaps a game that lived up to our expectations, the other top four clash, which was <laughs> a quiet night for the Neapolitans. Only the one goal scored by Victor Ozimen on his return to the starting lineup. It's their 11th win in a row in all competitions. Napoli. Yeah, the best run since the mid-80s um, when, when you know. Ottavio Bianchi was in charge and they had a certain Diego. Mm. Um, Can they make it 12 in a row? Uh, quite possibly they're hosting Rangers on Wednesday night. Both these teams can become record breakers in this group stage. Napoli by not only making it 11 wins in a row, but also if they, if they well, over the next couple of games get nine goals, they can break the all-time scoring record for the group stage. Rangers, meantime, could complete the worst group stage in Champions League history. That's currently held by Dinamo Zagreb, who had a campaign that ran no points uh, and a goal difference of minus 19. Rangers currently on no points and minus 15 with two games to go. Well, Napoli remains three points clear at the top of the table. Milan now in second place after their 4-1 win over Monza. Uh, Inter and Juventus also scored four goals in important wins for them. Uh, Juve with their second straight victory for the first time this season against Empoli. Inter, meanwhile, with that 4-3 thriller in Florence. I know you were particularly taken by Lautaro Martinez's performance in this one. Yeah, Lautaro was outstanding uh, in Barcelona in the 3-3. Yeah, he scored in that game. He set up Robin Gosens' goal. And he also set up what could have been a match-winning goal as well if Christian Aslani uh, hadn't seen his shot saved um, by Testegen, I think, in stoppage time. Uh, yeah, there were echoes of that game in Florence um, because not only did Lautaro score uh, and assist... Um, but in stoppage time again, uh, there was a chance to win a game 4-3 and this time Inter took it um, and uh, Mkhitaryan scored. Acrimonious game um, because Fiorentina felt the refereeing was very poor. Uh, Valeri, one of the most experienced refs, was, was in charge and uh, he awarded Fiorentina a penalty um, but didn't send Federico Di Marco off for essentially... Uh, going studs up on somebody's knee. And there were also recriminations about the last goal for a push on on, on Milenkovic by, by Dzeko. I felt there was very little in that, but um, apparently Rocco Camiso, the Fiorentina owner, uh, didn't um, and uh, responded angrily in the bowels of the Artemio Franchi afterwards. That's at least what Inter have said. Uh, Fiorentina have denied it. 
Um, but exciting game. Seems that Inter are back. You know, Lautaro's just been in magnificent form going into to the World Cup. Nobody speaks about Romelu Lukaku and the fact that Lukaku hasn't played since August. Um, Lukaku expected to be back in the squad for their game against Victoria Pilsen. But this very much feels like it's Lautaro's team and it has done uh, for a year. And I think playing with Messi on a regular basis uh, for Argentina, you can see how his all-round game has improved, how he's not just scoring goals, how he's creating chances, picking out players. Um, and I think that's quite exciting if you're a Argentine uh, going into the World Cup. Um, so, yeah, great to see Lautaro in this kind of form. Inter, they're at home to Victoria Pilsen. If they win that game, Barcelona are out of the Champions League. Milan, their position in the Champions League, a little bit more delicate. They're going to be at Dinamo Zagreb, who have such a terrific home record, of course. And Milan absolutely need to win that game. That's in Chelsea's group. Yes, Vonny Boban uh, is expected to be in attendance. You know, Boban who obviously played for, for both clubs um, and had a falling out uh, with the uh, current executive team, <laughs> AC Milan, uh, and ended up taking them to court uh, for wrongful dismissal, uh, one. Um, it'll be very interesting to see which members of Milan's executive team will be in Zagreb <laughs> for uh, uh, for this game. But yeah, it feels like a bit of a trap game, James, given what happened uh, to Chelsea, as you mentioned. Um, Orsic scored at San Siro. Um, Orsic always scores in this competition. Ridiculous record he's got. So yeah, one one thing that Milan have to be wary of. And as you know, Raf can tell us, you know, Salzburg, going nowhere in this competition. You know, they got they got into the round of 16 last year. They can get into the round of 16 again. Okafor has been very good for them. So, you know, it's it's not something that Milan can take for granted, really, this 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 game in, in Zagreb. OK. Uh, James, just to round off our uh, brief vignette of uh, events in Italy, what a result for Daniele De Rossi at the helm of his club Spal. <laughs> yeah, I love Daniele. Daniele, you know, probably my, my favourite player. I mean, yeah. Person. Your favourite human person. being. Yeah. Person as well, yeah. No. Do you have a tattoo of Daniele De Rossi? So, I, 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 yeah. It's a not bit the too stop personal sign. as a question. <laughs> yeah, 5 nil. Um, his second game in charge uh, against uh, Cosenza. You know, someone very strongly influenced by Luciano Spalletti. Um, yeah, Spalletti, who was his coach twice. Uh, at Roma, uh, influenced by Luis Enrique as well. Enrique had, a, uh, you know, sort of in that one year that he had it at, at Roma, very important on on De Rossi. But um, yeah, let's let's see what Daniele can do in Ferrara. Um, mm. Great opportunity for him. James, is there an update about uh, Totti and Ilaria's uh, marital issues? Well, we talked about the the Rolexes um, where Totti claims that Hillary and her father basically cleared out the safe deposit boxes where his Rolex collection was, which he also claimed Hillary had said that, yeah, they were gifts for her. But Hillary walked past a Rolex store in, uh, in Rome and uh, kind of did an Instagram, a cheeky Instagram story um, saying that, uh, suggesting she might uh, have a passion for Rolexes. Um, so, so yeah, but it's um, so she's trolling him basically. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. sad to see. Like Wanda is trolling Mauro as well. Yeah, actually, that's another. So, what's Wanda <laughs> done to 
<laughs> to, to poor old uh, Mario Cardi. Yeah. What's happened now, Jules? Well, as as we all know, they're they're separating. They've been yeah. separated, but she she's. But are they? In a, well, are they? Oh, yeah, maybe not. He's in Galatasaray. He scored his first goal in the league, by the way, the weekend. Uh, he's got the kids because she's too busy filming a music video with a with a rapper. And in the video, they, she's in bed with the rapper and they're kissing and stuff like that. I mean, she says it's only a, a, a music video. Mauro si says that she's a laughing stock on social media now. It would be great if Maxi Lopez was still playing mm. and Galatasaray signed him and Icardi and Maxi could be up front in this kind of solidarity, kind of, um, wow. in a sort of... Uh, yeah, they could be reconciled, maybe. Um, maybe. Right, James busy writing a fan fiction here about, <laughs> about, about mental masturbation. If anyone wants anyway. to do that fan fiction, please. <laughs> anyway, all right, uh, let's move on because next up we're going to hear about League. Uh. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Jules, while we were enjoying the fascinating tactical nuances of Roma Napoli Sunday night, we couldn't help but notice that there was an absolute thriller going on in that league. Uh, Lille Monaco, tell us. Yeah, that was incredible. 4-3 win by Lille. Uh, Paulo Fonseca doing a, a great job and L'Equipe and the French media in general were saying like when he arrived, he said, oh, I want this team to, to play well. Of course, the result matters, but for me, it's even more important for the team to, to be entertaining. And certainly they've been so far this season. And that win where they gifted two goals to Monaco, by the way, and found themselves 3-2 down at some point. But they played just so well collectively, individually, Jonathan Davies, Jonathan Bamba, Remy Cavella as well. All of them, whether they been at the club since the summer, they, they're older players like Cabela or younger players, maybe like David, just this is his last season really because he's, he's clearly too good for both Lille and Ligue 1. But they were outstanding and Monaco now have lost again uh, and Lille are just coming back towards the top four and I think they will, they will have a, a big chance of finishing in that top three because if they keep playing like this and to be fair, inconsistency has been a little bit of an issue for them so far this season but they they. What a great game it was. Super goals. 
a lot of intensity, a lot of movement, great passing and, and a great end to the game with that bomba goal and the stadium just exploding uh, on Sunday night. Brilliant. Sixth they lie in Liga right now. They are five points off the top three, but a couple of the teams in there, uh, maybe people won't expect to kind of stay the course. Yeah. Lons and Lorient are in second and, and third at the moment. Marseille and other of the sides who are looking to to bridge that gap, get back into the Champions League positions. It was only the other week, Jules, that they were second and, and possibly rivaling Paris Saint-Germain for the lead. But look at them now, nine points back in fifth spot from uh, yeah. from the top of the table. What's happened to Marseille? They lost three in a row in the league, James. It was funny because bef- between the first day of the season, early August, and the end of October, they did at the end of September, sorry, they didn't lose a single game in seven weeks. And now they've lost three in two weeks against Ajaccio at the Velodrome, which was a bad one, then away at PSG, which I guess you can understand. But then again, this weekend at home to Lens, where they played well in the first half, created chances, they could have scored, didn't score, didn't take the chances. And then were punished in the second half, where the intensity dropped, where they may be not as solid defensively as they used to be. And Lens, who've been saying before, and Igor Tudor was very, very praising of, of how Lens are playing as a team and they, they keep surprising us really it's a big help for them I think that they, they're not in Europe of course as it is for Lille for example when we just talk about a game against Monaco when every other club have to play every three days uh, in Europe and in the league but Lens huge surprise now they're second in the table because Lorient only drew at the weekend they've got a lot of injuries Lorient but at least they don't lose but for Lens, they, they're fantastic to watch. So, so good going forward. So much intensity. And again, they can play with so much intensity because they only have one game a week. Very nice. Do you, th- do you think then that they do have a chance of remaining in the top three? Uh, yeah, I think they do. I think, I think they, they were really close last season. They were quite unlucky, to be fair. And the season before, not to finish a bit higher up in the league. And now, if they can keep their players fit, and again, not many of their players... I think maybe just one or two are going to go to the World Cup. So compared to to other clubs who will have a lot of their squad at the World Cup, it'd be better for Lens and then they will come back in the new year refreshed. And again, we'll only have one game a week. So it's I really believe that they can have a long spell in that top three and then and then maybe yeah, upset the bigger clubs like Monaco, like Marseille, like you know, like Lille, for example, like Lyon, who with Larry White finally found, you know, won the first game in seven now. So for Lyon, it was a big boost, that game at Montpellier that we mentioned earlier. Mm. But I still think that Lens can be really the big, big surprise of the season. Okay. We should also mention Paris Saint-Germain's 3-0 win at Ajaccio. Uh, another miserable night of pivoting for poor old uh, Kylian Mbappé alongside possibly the greatest player ever. It was great, to be fair. It was the, uh, the Messi-Mbappé show. Uh, two goals for Kylian and one assist uh, for Messi. And Messi had two assists for Kylian and one goal set up by Kylian. So pretty and, special. And what a goal. And what a goal, Jules. What a goal. Peut-être maintenant, mais celui qui trouve les solutions dans ces cas-là, c'est Messi. Messi avec Mbappé, que c'est bon. La porte, le but, la merveille. 19 passes, uh, the little backheel from Mbappé to set up Messi. Messi then dribbling past the keeper. I mean, incredible. I mean, Ajaccio are not, are not very good. Uh, but them two were, were outstanding on Friday night uh, in a new system again, the, the back four and the four three one two with Fabian Ruiz really being the revelation in that new system, if you want. He's played so well. And Kylian playing less as a pivot 
now, according to Galtier, certainly, so oh. maybe a, a little bit happier. Him and Messi in that front two. Neymar will come back for the Champions League game against Maccabi and play as a 10 in a free role behind Messi and, and Kylian. So let's hope that at least that makes him a little bit happier. Mm. Jules, uh, with all your podcast appearances, TV appearances, <laughs> what does it feel like to be knocked off the highest earning uh, list in France by Kylian Mbappe, who is, according to your paper, I allegedly. Think, allegedly. Allegedly. And 630 million a year. Um, no, over three years. Over three, oh, years. three years. Gross salary three years. over three years. How can you exaggerate yeah. so much, James? I know, man. Like, <laughs> sorry, it's mental masturbation. It's really uh, <laughs> addled my brain there. <laughs> I mean, the club saying that it's not true, that this is not the accurate numbers. It looks pretty accurate to me, to be fair, from what we knew before anyway. Um, Yes, it's the, the contract of the century, as mm. Le Parisien called it. I think is, if it's true, is right. And even if it's not true, it's not far from the truth anyway. Wow. We knew about the wages pretty much. We knew about all the signing on fees and bonuses, etc. So it would not be far from that, which is an incredible. I just, I just think at some point, and maybe that was part of the plan, and we go back to him wanting to leave and the club now being in a stronger position because they would have lost him before on a free. Now they can, they can sell him for something. Mm. I think in terms of financial fair play, that still is a, you know, is, what? is meaning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's still meaningful, I don't know. Right. But they, they just, they've just lost 300 million euros uh, in the last year. They can't, this is not, this is not viable at all, mm. that contract. It's interesting though, once again, how all that money, does it make you happy though? Maybe not, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, Alvaro, all that just to play pivot. I mean, come on, pivot. Alvaro, I I think you want to say something about Leo Messi's performance, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I try to stay away from all the money happiness thing. I mean, watching the football game on Friday and happiness. uh, At least go for uh, happiness, Alvaro. But you know, yeah. Is that the big deal, though? <laughs> but anyway, you I, were saying. I, I, lo- I, lo- I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching the game on on Friday, I was mesmerized by Messi once again. And the thing is that I was thinking that the only reason, one of the reasons why Messi is not terrifically rated now, or whatever you want to to call it, is because we're comparing him to his old self, to his version of 2012, 2011. He has become a new player. But he, he's excelling every role he's into. I mean, when he got to be a scorer, he scored. When he got to be a midfielder, he's delivering the best long-range passes. And believe me, when he was 20-21, Lionel Messi didn't particularly produce many long-range passes. He started taking free kicks when he was 21-22. By the time he got been four years in the elite. But he has become a player that, I don't know if he goes underrated, just because with think about the previous Messi and the previous Messi was maybe better than the pre- than, than this one but it was incredible what he did against Ajaccio and I know that this French side is suffering right now in the relegation spot but still even uh, the player from Ajaccio whose name I don't remember uh, who was talking to press he was saying uh, after the game he was saying that it was incredible that he had never played against a player like that Mm. You you tweeted on on Friday. This current Messi's better than Zidane as a midfielder, and probably better than Platini to name some outstanding number tens. And he is just evolving. Who tweeted that? The, the thing, Jules, Jules <laughs> will disagree. Will disagree. I, I was using the French guys because he plays in France now. But he, I like him better than Michael Laudrup as well. 
Michael Laudrup was my first ever idol, and his passing was incredible. He was a magician. For me, one of the best players in the 90s. I watched them both, and I think that this mess is better than that pick Laudrup. Okay, forget about Zidane and Platini if you want, mm. because I don't want to go into a, a riot here with you anyway. But this mess is incredible. It's incredible as a midfielder as well. Is he better than Daniele no. De Rossi was? I wonder. Oh, my but, God. No, I mean, crucially, I mean, we should get into this. I mean, is, is he better than yeah, any French number 10 ever, Jules? You know, it's, Shut uh, up. Why are you winding me up like that? <laughs> it's a good thing that I didn't see Alvaro's tweet on Friday. Uh, I'm scared now. Why? What would you no, have no, got to go. No, 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 no. It's not. I mean, everybody can have their opinions and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think where, I mean, to be fair, the stadium at Ajaccio holds 10,000. And those 10,000 people on Friday night were there only to see Messi. And the ball boys and, and the mascots were just there. A bit like what we saw at Maccabi at the time when those, those ball boys could not believe that Messi was there. Holding, well, one was holding one boy's hands, uh, Messi's hand. But they were, and this was exactly the same as Ajaccio. And maybe more than last season because last season he was obviously not as good as he is this season. But for me, the, the biggest thing is that he's, he's doing that at his age. And of course, it's, a, it's an easier league than La Liga or, another, or England or, or Italy, for example. But still, at his age, in a team that is very dominant, of course, this is an amazing team that he will always going to be, you know, they'll have people around him who, who are so good. However, still at his age to play in a different way and have that kind of impact because in goals and assists this season, he's, he's right up there with, with, with the best others like the, you know, the Haaland and all of that. It's just incredible because at his edge after the season that he had last year where it was a struggle, it's good. And now PSG are really hoping that because he's so happy, because he's enjoying his football so much, even at his age, that maybe they can convince him to stay just a little bit longer and just say, listen, you're... We can still do really well in the Champions League with you. You can still win it with us. Why don't you stay maybe just one or two years more? So it'd be interesting to see after the World Cup in the new year what happens in the negotiations. But there is optimism at the club that because he's so happy and you can just see it. You see the way he plays and you see in his body language. You see it even what he posts on social media or what he's posted by others as we saw this weekend, him and Antonella. You see that he's happy. So, yeah, they, I think this is also a big part of why he's playing at that kind of incredible level. Nice. I have the feeling, James, that, I, that I'm escaping Jules' axe right now. Nah, because he seemed to be very angry nah. when he heard the thing about Fidan and Platini. I was happy on my weekend in Valencia with the family. I would not have called you up, maybe. <laughs> there you go. Next up, let's hear a little bit more about La Liga with Alvaro. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson.
Alvaro, you mentioned uh, Villarreal's 2-1 win over Almeria at the end of an emotional week for them. Elsewhere, big win for Real Madrid, 3-1 against Sevilla. Another cracking shot from range from uh, that man Valverde, who, as Rafa was saying, is probably going to miss out on the trip to Leipzig and a whole whole load of absences for for Carlo Ancelotti's side for that midweek game. Yeah, Valverde, Benzema, Modric are not there. Of course, these are sensitive uh, absences for Real Madrid. It's normal as well because uh, Carlo Ancelotti doesn't rotate massively. He hasn't done it over the last 18, 16 months at Real Madrid. And, um, you know, he doesn't think about uh, the World Cup coming up. I mean, uh, he was asked on... uh, Monday morning, uh, if uh, he thought that his players were thinking about the World Cup already and uh, if they were uh, playing in a way to prevent injuries, and he was like, if they want to prevent injuries, they should stay at home, stay in the sofa, because it's the safest thing. Right. I was just wondering, is that what Benzema is doing? Because he's been rested, if he misses this midweek, it'll be two straight games he's missing for muscular fatigue. Is that him staying at home, you know, to Uh, preserve a bit of strength for November, December? No. I, I don't think so. I really think that um, Karim Benzema uh, hasn't been 100% uh, okay this season. And that's the reason why Real Madrid is not using him so much uh, in the hope that he will recover uh, ASAP. And on top of that, uh, the team doesn't need the point so badly right now because they haven't lost a competitive game this season. As far as I can recall, they are top in La Liga top in the Champions League, so Carlo Ancelotti ha- can have a little bit of patience with Karim Benzema right now. Fede Valverde, it's a different story. The other day, Papu Gomez did a very bad challenge on Fede Valverde, I don't know if you saw that, which raised plenty of critics from Uruguayan press, you have to read that one, it was incredible, uh, and some praises, but some Argentinian ultras as well, you know how it goes, but anyway, uh, Fede Valverde will be fine soon, and uh, Luka Modric could be also a fatigue thing at the end of the day, he's been He's been playing a lot of football uh, lately. Speaking of Valverde's taking knock this weekend, Ernesto Valverde had a bit of a humbling uh, with his side, Athletic Club de Bilbao, away at Barcelona. Barcelona, who've got this huge game coming up with Bayern Munich in the Champions League. They do at least come into this in some form, having won their last two games against Villarreal and now Athletic, uh, conceding no goals and scoring seven. Sambala del Embele, asistencia cabal interior de la Latifa, retorres, Micha, volta, gol! Gol, 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 gol! Ferran Torres! That's probably the best way of showing your middle finger to the crisis, I guess, after losing at Santiago Bernabeu, after doing so badly in the Champions League. They were good this time against Athletic Club Bilbao. I think that the, the lineup of Valverde didn't make a lot of sense uh, because there weren't enough midfielders or there were too light, maybe, until Dani Garcia came on and then Dani Garcia showed his physicality and his masculinity to, to Gabi because Dani Garcia tends to do that and Gabi have to leave the, the pitch injured with a very big hit in his, uh, in his groin. But anyway, Gabi is fine now. And uh, I think that Barcelona changed the system and that was a very clever thing by Xavi because uh, in the at the Santiago Bernabeu 
and against Inter, you saw that Barcelona was happening a lot in transitions, uh, especially when they have to defend. Uh, Busquets was totally exposed, and he's been the subject of many critics because he hasn't been playing well. And um, this time, Xavi uh, populated, staffed the midfield with uh, the young Busquets, Gabi, and then he sent Pedri to the left wing in the same way that Guardiola was sending Iniesta to the left wing. And that worked because at least the young and Busquets together could stop better the counterattacks. I think it was a good decision by Xavi. It comes too late, obviously, because at Santiago Bernabeu that would have worked. But yeah, generally speaking, Barcelona did a good game against Athletic Club Bilbao. Another super goal from Robert Lewandowski. Uh, he scored two very similar goals against Villarreal and Athletic Club Bilbao, just controlling the ball, the ball inside the box and uh, smashing it into the net, just doing a very quick turn. Beautiful goals. Uh, but now Bayern comes and Bayern has been Barcelona's behemoth uh, as of late. For sure, Barcelona has to offer a good performance, regardless of what Inter does against Victoria Pilsen. Uh, Barcelona couldn't afford to lose badly against Bayern because, you know, it would be too many high-profile games lost. Well, Barca back in form then, and this game against Bayern Munich, what a match it looks like. What a shame that it might mean nothing by the time it happens. Rafa, Bayern already through. How seriously are they going to take this? Uh, semi-seriously, I think. I mean, they want to win all games. That's what they did last uh, last year in the group stage. I think also if something still might be riding and they won't know before, short before kickoff, they wouldn't mind, I think, uh, dumping Barcelona out of the competition, not to meet them later on. Uh, but yeah, if it's you know between a player who's not fully fit or somebody who's maybe a little bit on the on the edge uh, physically, then Nagelsmann is going to be careful and not uh, not risk anything. But if, it's going to be a strong side, uh, not 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 the youngsters out there for sure. Excellent, Alvaro. Anything else from La Liga uh, this weekend before we move on to the Bundesliga? Yeah, very quickly. Uh, there is a. Player who is coming out from the ranks, youth ranks of Barcelona, and he's settling very quickly in the first team squad, uh, who is Alejandro Valde, left back, young, offering uh, some speed that Barcelona needed in that flank. And I think that Jordi Alba and Marcos Alonso, but especially Jordi Alba, has a proper contender right now for that position. So, yeah, this is a player to follow. Okay, excellent. All right, Rafa, you're up next with the Bundesliga. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Rafa, let's talk about German football. Hey, last week you were regaling us with tales of the incredible Union Berlin and how they might just win the title. How'd they get on this weekend? Well, they did what uh, what all teams and managers and players do who get a sympathetic uh, review from me in, on, on any medium. Uh, they go on and lose. Uh, and they lost at Falfer Bochum, the worst team in the league, James. 2-1. Um, yeah, really unexpected. I mean, Bochum out unioned Union. They do. They did everything that Union do so well. They won all the 50-50s, the second balls. They were good in goal. Sorry, in front of goal. They were also lucky because Pantovic um, missed a penalty for Union. And also Robert Andres scored an own goal. So everything that uh, went wrong sort of went wrong for them. Afterwards, Urs Fischer said, well, they ate us up a little bit today, which is usually what Union tend to do to their opponents. Right. Eating up an onion. Nice. <laughs> Bochum beating uh, Union Berlin is bottom of the table beating top. And it means that Bayern are now just one point behind again in second place after their 2-0 win at Hoffenheim, featuring yet another goal for that Jamal Muziala. Crikey. 
Yeah, cue Jaws music. Do 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 do. Bayana coming back to the surface. Is that Jaws music? Thought. Yeah. Yeah. Do 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 do. It's not like. James, how should it go? Do it. Yes. Do it. And then. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Do do do. Dun 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 been a while who were we speaking to the other day <laughs> sorry <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent rap's never seen it this is rap why has so never seen it i've never seen a full jaws film why are you even it's mentioning true. the music then you've never seen the film yeah it's true listener <laughs> send rafa a message saying watch jaws because i know there's a lot of things that everyone should watch but jaws really for your own sake you'll enjoy it it's such a great film yeah. And okay. the protagonist looks like Florentino Perez a lot, if you want to see a resemblance. Roy Scheider? We're talking about Joe's. Right? Yeah, I suppose. The shark. Don't you, you, don't you the think shark or Roy Scheider? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, young Roy Scheider. Young Florentino, is that's quite good. Yeah. Okay. You mean Joe's from the James Bond movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like Florentino sorry. Paris at all. Right. Um, anyway. Anyway. Where were we? Uh, you were talking about Do-do-do. Bayern being back like a shark eating people. Yes, yes, they're back. They're back, as they always would be. Um, I don't think we expected them to keep drawing games or losing against the likes of Augsburg. Um, they were good against Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim were, yeah, were not very uh, inspired. And uh, as you said, Jamal Musiala with another goal. He looks really good, but perhaps more surprisingly, former PSG legend, Eric Maxim Chupomoting. Um, starting again for the third time in a row and scoring his fourth goal. Um, so no more false nines, a very real nine. Although Julian Nagelsmann then kind of confused people a little bit by saying, well, Chupo is more of a 10. He doesn't really play like a nine. But anyway, a reference point and Sadio Mane only on the bench for the second time in the league. Uh, looked very unhappy when he came on. And unhappy when he came off because, again, didn't really play all that well. And Nagelsmann said that he was lacking confidence and that his heart, brain and emotions were affected. Wow. Strong stuff. That okay. is strong. So Union were great a few weeks ago. And what happened to them? Uh, Bayern are now back. So let's see what happens to them in Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> let's also see what happens... To Borussia Dortmund when they host Man City. Dortmund with a 5-0 victory at the weekend over Stuttgart. We're not sure if uh, Erling Haaland's going to be in this uh, fixture, which obviously would be a pretty significant one for him back at Dortmund. But Jude Bellingham, you'd expect, will be in there. Jude, who, Jules, you voted for for Golden Boy as the top youngster in European football. That's right, James. I was uh, privileged to be part of the jury for the mm. Golden Boy. and my Who, top who five. else was on it with you, Jules? I don't know. I was the uh, French representative. I don't know who else uh-huh. uh, voted. Jules, I noticed there are no Paris born and bred starlets on your Golden yeah, you Boy. You were so list. smug as well, tweeting it. And I think a few of your cult followers... <laughs> were so happy as well. Right. It happens sometimes. We can't always... You know, always win. Although Matisse Tell was in the first list and he's very much Paris born and bred. So his time will come soon. Okay. I'll vote for him next year. But uh, Jude Bellingham, you, you, you voted yeah, for him. He didn't win. That went, the award no. went to, to Gavi of that. 
Barcelona. But yeah, Bellingham, the extraordinary season he's having. Again, I mean, which season hasn't been extraordinary from him? Uh, two goals at the weekend. I mean, the one thing, he hadn't been scoring, uh, Rafa, but he's he certainly is now. He hadn't been scoring in the Bundesliga. Right. Which um, was was odd because we've seen him score almost every week, but all those goals have come in the Champions League. Um, yeah, it was it was his debut goal and then a second, and it was actually three teenagers scoring for the first time ever in this game because uh, Yusufa Mukuku was also on target. And uh, interesting story in Bild, who feel that they are Sportbild, who feel that they have a a pretty strong grasp on the sh- on the long list of the German national team for the World Cup, you know, that's being um, compiled this week. And they think that Mukuku is on it, along with Wirtz, who I think we expected, but he's still battling back from from his uh, cruciate ligament injury. Um, and another surprise name, Rani Kadira, the younger brother of, um, of Sami, is there as well. Sami? Yeah, Sami. There's so many, there's so many Kadiras, I can confuse right. them. Where, where does he play? Uh, Rani Kadir plays at Union. Okay. And uh, Niklas Füllkrug, who we talked about on the show. Uh, you remember, James. Uh, a few weeks ago, Werder Bremen striker. Right. Who had been scoring and might just make... make the. Why are you looking at me funny? I'm not. Might just make the, the squad. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Had never been called up before for Germany, so that would be really a big one. All right. <laughs> Christophe Nkunku, might, will he make the French squad, Jules? Yeah, yeah surely. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Of All right. Course. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. What about your centre backs, Jules? Who? I mean, Varane, he would be there too. If yeah. there's, if there's any credibility left to the Ballon d'Or, and mm. I'm not sure there is, I think Christopher Nkunku coming 25th in the After voting the, the is just that, yeah, a yeah, real is a joke, honestly. It's a mm. complete joke. What what uh, what do you think about Dortmund's chances of defeating Man City then when they uh, they host them in front of the yellow wall? Dortmund tend to do quite well in City against City in recent in recent games. They were they were good at the Etihad. They were good at Dortmund when they met a couple of years ago. They were good at the Etihad when they met a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't always get the result, but yeah, I think they'll they'll have a chance. Um, okay. I think City will probably. As you said, James, make one or two changes. They don't really have much to play for. Yeah, I can see, I can see Dortmund at least getting a draw. And a draw is, is probably going to be enough. Not math- mathematically yet, but kind of is. Okay. Man City on 10 points, Dortmund on 7. And then the other two teams in that group, Sevilla and Copenhagen, both on 2 points. So, yeah, 5-point margin for, for Dortmund. Excellent. Well, we'll be across... Those Champions League games Tuesday and Wednesday on The Goals Show. And then on Thursday, Totally Football Show will be reviewing where that all leaves us in the Champions League group stages, as well as, of course, looking forward to the weekend action on the way. Totally Football Show European Edition returns next week ahead of the final set of group stage matches and with a fresh round of uh, weekend games to review as well. So, listener, I do hope you'll be joining us for that. For now... Many thanks to <clears throat> Jules, James, Alvaro, Rafa, producer Charlie, and you. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, 
and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.